In this episode, we speak to Abigail Olive, Head of Marketing at Castle Howard, one of Britain's finest stately homes. The fact that we're a family home does set us apart from a lot of other visitor attractions. Abigail shares with us a love story in two parts. It immediately put us on the map for Chinese visitors. This time, I don't want to tell you too much about the interview because it's going to ruin the story for you. We want people to come and to know about us, but then it's how they're welcomed, how they experience the whole journey and, and leave telling their own story. So I think that's always at the core of what we do. Suffice to say, you're going to learn a lot about how to gain more international visitors, the strategies they used, and how Castle Howard became one of the first attractions to launch WeChat and Alipay for Chinese visitors. Everything in China is paid for via WeChat Pay. I mean, everything. You're in a taxi, even you see you know, market stall holders, people wanting a donation for a charity, or even homeless people with a QR code attached to them. You scan it. Everything is is WeChat Pay. We hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast that celebrates professionals working in the visitor attraction sector. What do we mean by visitor attractions? Well, it's an umbrella term for a huge range of exciting organisations that are must-sees. Think museums, theme parks, zoos, farms, heritage sites, tour providers, escape rooms, and much, much more. They're tourist hotspots or much-loved local establishments that educate, engage and excite the general public. Those who work in visitor attractions often pour their heart and soul into providing exceptional experiences for others. In our opinion, they don't get the recognition that they deserve for this. We want to change this. Each episode, we'll share the journeys of inspiring leaders. We'll celebrate their achievements and dig deeper into what really makes their attractions successful, both offline and digitally. Listen and be inspired as industry leaders share their innovative ideas, services and approaches. There's plenty of valuable information you can take away and put into action to create better experiences for your own guests. Your hosts for this podcast are myself, Kelly Molson and Paul Wright. We're the co-founders of Rubber Cheese, an award-winning digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for visitor attractions. Find out how we can create a better experience for you and your guests at rubbercheese.com. Search Skip the Queue on iTunes and Spotify to subscribe. You can find links to every episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast. We hope that you enjoy these interviews. And if there's anyone you think we should be talking to, please do send us a message. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Abby. It's lovely to have you along. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be able to chat to you. You're very welcome. Well, one of the things that our listeners are keen to learn more about is how to get more international visitors. This is something that Castle Howard have been able to do particularly well, but it all started with a love story. We'd love you to tell us about the love story today. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting and unique story. So for those of you who don't know Castle Howard, we are a stately home. We're in rural North Yorkshire. Castle Howard was built as a family home, so always intended to be a family home. It was designed by Sir John Vanbrugh back in 1699 for the third Earl of Carlisle, and it's his lineage and family who still live in the house today. Uh, in the 50s, Castle Howard, like many other stately homes of the country, 
country, all our fantastic historical heritage opened up the doors and also became visitor attractions. So we've been welcoming visitors to Castle Howard since the 50s and we currently welcome about 250, 300,000 visitors a year. We have some really high profile events and lots to do throughout the year. But our love story started (laughs) on a very snowy January day in rural North Yorkshire back in 2015. So it was January the 17th, 2015, and Castle Howard had kind of helped to plan what was going to be a very lavish wedding reception. So our wedding planner at the time had been liaising with this couple flowers by the lorry load had been arriving the house was being set up for their wedding reception and on the morning of that day it was quite strange as our staff began to arrive for work there were some groups of Chinese visitors by the gates of Castle Howard this was quite an unusual thing for Castle Howard so I'll remind you we're in rural North Yorkshire <laughs> um, I think to that the year the year that um, preceded that date we'd had about five groups of Chinese visitors in in the whole year. So it wasn't very normal to see groups of Chinese visitors gathering, trying to get a look at what was going on. (laughs) So it became very obvious very quickly to our team here that this was something a bit special. And it turned out that the couple getting married, the groom happened to be probably China's biggest pop star. So a gentleman called Jay Chow, who not many people in this country are familiar with, but across China and he's Taiwanese. So very, very famous. You know, people call him kind of the Justin Bieber or Elvis of of China. So he is a massive, massive pop star. And it was his wedding reception that we were hosting here at Castle Howard. And it immediately put us on the map for Chinese visitors. So that was the start of the love story between Castle Howard and China. <laughs> and then you know, I, I sort of often say that China as a demographic, as a segment of our audience happened to Castle Howard. It, it wasn't like Castle Howard went out to try and grow sure. a Chinese audience. So it was a quite an unusual strategy, <laughs> uh, not really a strategy, but something Castle Howard had to react to quite quickly. So we went very quickly from about five coaches a year to about 500 coaches a year of Chinese Wow, that's a huge increase. It was a huge increase very, very quickly. And it was an audience that Castle Howard wasn't used to welcoming. We certainly weren't geared up at the time to provide, you know, a fantastic level of interpretation or you know we, we were we needed to go on a very steep learning curve I think it's fair to say and I think we've we've done that and that was the sort of part one of the love story and part two of the love story is everything that's happened since and how we've sustained that interest in the Chinese market continued to grow the audience but also ensured that you know we're leading the way really and people have a very fulfilling experience when they're visiting here from China. So that, that's an introduction to how we found a Chinese audience, which is, you know, you, I, I guess people sit and think that's very fortunate that somebody rocked up and got married at Castle Howard, who happened to be one of the world's biggest pop stars. And we are, we are lucky in that sense. But I think it's interesting that as a business, it has absolutely shaped our business model and everything we've done since to sustain that growing audience. And, and it hit a real curve and a trend. You know, we know that inbound tourism from China to the UK has been on the rise significantly over that period of time since 2015. And we know that especially to, to York and North Yorkshire, there's a real interest now from, from China to not just experience the south of England, but many, many any more visitors coming into the north. So I think it, you know, everything aligned perfectly for us. 
<laughs> so how did Jay Chow find you? Now, we're called Castle Howard, but if you Google us, look at a picture of us, we are a very beautiful stately home. So Vambra designed the house with a dome on top, um, inspired by St. Paul's Cathedral. He was working with the architect Nicholas Hawksmoor at the time, but we're definitely not what you, you know, you'd traditionally call a castle. So we are built, the stately home is built on the site of Henderskelf Castle. Henderskelf was the medieval village that Castle Howard sits on and the castle was taken down and removed before the building of Castle Howard. So the name is inherited from that time. But actually, I believe, as the story goes, Jay Chow and his fiancée, Hannah, actually googled castles in Europe and came across Castle Howard and came to came to visit, came for a look round and just fell in love with it. So oh. again, uh, you know, a bit of good luck on our part. And um, sometimes people do, you know, expect Castle Howard to be more traditional castle, but, um, you know, it worked in our favour, certainly on that occasion. Oh, it's lovely. I think, you know, what I really loved about this story is, it's such a lovely thing that's happened, but the things that have kind of progressed on from that have been really kind of changing for the attraction itself. After this happened, at what point did you go, okay, well, we really need to look at our marketing strategy here and how we can kind of incorporate this new market into that. And what do we do? What do we do next? Very quickly, as I say, we had to go on a, a steep learning curve. So the group sales manager at the time started taking bookings from it was mostly coach groups wanting to fit Castle Howard into their itinerary and for a Chinese group itinerary the distance in China is not comparable to you know miles covered in England to see the whole of England so they were doing things like you know going from Cambridge up to Castle Howard for an hour and then on to Edinburgh or you know they'd fit the whole of the country into a very short time scale so we started seeing these coach loads of visitors arrive but I think there was a general sense that they were they were coming in getting a photo of Jay Chow's wedding venue maybe learning a little bit about the house you're taking wonderful photos but leaving after quite a short visit to go on to the next part of their itinerary we weren't really giving them the right level of interpretation or you know helping their understanding of of what the place was all about other than it being a nice picturesque place for a photo so very quickly the the team here got translated some of our interpretation and there was a it's an A4 sheet of paper really with some information about the house its history the family and that was the starting point you know some very basic information in Mandarin on some of our signage and visitor maps so that was a starting point quickly get some information translated so that when visitors arrive they at least have a little bit of information that was step one but I think what we have now is a really incredible innovative way of explaining what the house is all about it definitely has helped castle howard innovate actually which is really amazing as part two of our story so let's go to part two then so we know that you have a chinese website was that the start of part two or was there more before that Yeah, so initially we have a page like most visitors attractions will do on their website, which is the booking information, the opening times. We had a translated page into 
Mandarin. But actually, you know, we realized that we needed a full website in Chinese and available in China. I think that's one of the key things is that, you know, people are planning their visit and what they might like to do before they set foot out of the country. So we did work with a partner on this. You know, we didn't try and build a Chinese website in-house, but we worked with a partner to, to build that website. And I think the main difference really between the English and Chinese website is it's all about storytelling and the authenticity of that story and what might be interesting and the most important things for an English audience to come to our website and read was certainly quite different to what a Chinese person wanted to come on and read. So we we did a full process working with the partners to produce the, the website of copywriting, of producing imagery so it looked authentic. I think we were at real risk in the early days of you coming onto the Castle Howard website or looking at one of our leaflets and not seeing any Chinese visitors here. So we wanted to very much project the fact that we were open and welcome and did have Chinese visitors here. So the photography, the copywriting and the different stories we're telling on that website are quite different, actually. It's not just a translation of the English website. Absolutely. And I guess that's... uh, So did you work with your partner to understand what the Chinese market would need to see on that site as well? Yeah, we did. So we had a website partner and we also have worked very closely with Visit York, who are our destination management organisation locally. And they have a Chinese ambassador and some people within Visit York who help them with their Chinese social media. So we quickly formed almost a little steering group of Chinese friendly friendly people who were willing to contribute those ideas. They worked with our curators in-house. So, you know, they went round the house and started looking at the different objects and artwork that we have, the different bits of history that really appeal to a Chinese audience, the, you know, the family history of the Howards and just pulling out the stories that they thought would be most interesting to what Chinese audiences are most familiar with in, in English culture. The partner that you're using, are they specialists in the Chinese market? It's a company called Digipanda and they work they work out of London but across the country with visitor attractions and quite a lot with the education sector. So they are a Chinese digital marketing agency who specialise in you know, helping visitor attractions and any organisations in in the UK kind of provide a better marketing portfolio of websites and and print and online advertising to the China market. But they, I think they, you know, they do a lot of the technical stuff as well. So it was very important for us in-house to grow the actual storytelling element of it. In terms of the technical details, was there any challenges you had with that? You know, most people will be aware that English social media, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and others don't work. They're not accessible in China or to Chinese audiences. So we very quickly embraced WeChat and Weibo, which I'm sure a lot of visitor attractions now have as well. And we needed to have a presence on those platforms and to be producing the right content for those platforms. So I suppose one of the challenges actually wasn't so much technical, but it was, you know, we've got a small team of three of us in the marketing team and then a group sales office. And we don't know that much about Chinese social media. So I think it's about (laughs) not pretending that you are capable actually of doing a good job of it and finding the right partners. And the way we did it actually was we worked with the internship bureau at the York University to recruit specifically a Mandarin speaking paid intern in the marketing department. So we had a couple of interns working with us who were Mandarin speaking who could do translation but also advise us on the types of content and stories that we should be producing to make sure you know it's all very well signing up for a WeChat or Weibo 
account but if it's not populated and we're not talking to that audience answering questions managing it on a daily basis it's kind of redundant so it was invaluable actually to have somebody in-house and we realized quite quickly that that was a permanent full-time position so we then advertised for a a marketing and visitor services assistant in brackets mandarin speaking and in rural north yorkshire got 49 applications for that role so i was absolutely astounded and delighted (laughs) and um you know we could have employed several of them and actually you know now when we're doing our what we've just recruited 50 visitor assistants for christmas and we've had several that are chinese mandarin speaking because i think you know we're advertising now in that market and and specifically asking for that skill set to have in-house so having somebody in-house who can work with our agencies and partners for us is it feels like the best way to do it because they understand from the inside out what Castle Howard's all about the history they've started doing tours and welcomes for groups and experiences in Mandarin as well as doing a lot of the content creation for those platforms that I talked about I think that's one of the things that really kind of shines through as you're speaking, that every decision that you've made has really been about improving that experience for the visitors as well, because having somebody there that speaks their own language rather than just having kind of translated leaflets is obviously going to be able to make them feel a lot more welcomed into the centre. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we know how important Chinese social media is we observed most visitors coming and experiencing the attraction with their phone in hand. But I think the the face-to-face, person-to-person aspects of it shouldn't be underestimated. And you're right, having somebody who can welcome groups, who can explain things. I, one day I lost our Chinese intern. I couldn't find her for a couple of hours. <laughs> I was quite worried about her. And it turned out she'd found a group wandering in the grounds who were looking for one of our temples. And she'd just taken them ad hoc on a on a little tour and she was up there still an hour later you know chatting to them and explaining what that was and telling that story and for somebody to feel empowered and able to to do that you know it's what we should all be doing across visitor attractions and I think there's sometimes a barrier with our core team so well informed so knowledgeable and very welcoming of course but just there's a barrier to being able to help sometimes someone when it's so unfamiliar as a language barrier and we've kind of taken a double-pronged approach in that technology can really help with that but actually a a real live person can also be invaluable to us there yeah definitely it goes a long way doesn't Mm, it it does and i suppose they um they know the cultural differences as well yeah, and so we've done, worked with another partner called Capella China Training to do sort of China welcome training with all of our teams. So anybody who's in a front-facing visitor services role, whether that's somebody serving on the cafe or on our admission tickets desk or in the shops, have, have been through this training program, which helps just build their confidence and ability to understand any cultural differences and to not be afraid of challenging things or going up to people, welcoming things, helping to explain things saying ni hao and she she and you know hello thank you in mandarin and it's it always fills me with a nice warm glow when i walk through the cafe and hear our visitor services assistants serving people and trying to help chinese audiences in their own language it's great that is lovely that's a very small thing that can make a very very big difference to someone's experience yeah absolutely yeah i think so 
what are the main cultural differences you've seen? Um, I think understanding some of our food. So we have three restaurants on site, two are table service, but one's a self-serve kind of cafeteria style. And the layout of that, if you come in and you understand what all that food is, it's absolutely obvious what's intended as a dessert, what's intended as a main course, which bits you help yourself to, which bits you wait to be served to. But as a Chinese visitor with zero explanation of that, it was absolutely confusing people and we could see that because I mean this in all seriousness there was a jug of gravy quite close to where the Victoria sponge was and we were observing Chinese customers pouring gravy over the cake and 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 our staff didn't really know how to you know you know obviously in a way it's quite comical (laughs) but it's not the right reaction to you know laugh at that so they they were finding it a bit of a struggle to try and help explain and help people understand how to navigate that and it would be the same for us wouldn't it stepping into a completely foreign environment not really knowing what some of the food is and our Chinese member of staff has now done little blackboards which explain the system and explain what's what and explain this is hot food and actually you know some very small things you can do like offer hot water so Chinese audiences one of the big cultural things is they carry hot water with them all the time and when they come into the attraction often they want to fill up their flask with hot water so just being open to say that's okay okay and ask one of our team you know and and our team now know if they're handed over a water flask what to do with it and what Chinese visitors will want but I think just doing some of those really small touches on blackboards that explain what's the special of the day or you know those kind of things really help you don't have to do a full-blown translated Chinese menu but it's just some of those little touches so I think some of those things were noted as some of the main cultural differences actually just in how they understand the food and navigate the experience. Abby, you you mentioned earlier in our conversation that this this has allowed Castle Howard to be more innovative. Yes. Now, one of the things that we do know is that you are one of the first attractions in the UK to install with the WeChat Pay Solutions. Yep, yep. And you did that across shops, restaurants, ticket office. Could you talk us through how easy that was to do? I thought it was quite easy, although I've talked to other attractions who seem to be finding it a bit more of a struggle. So um, we, again, worked with, it was DigiPanda who did our website, and then they work with a company called GlobePay. And we had a meeting between all three partners and our finance team here, and it was pretty simple actually so you have to set up the right licensing and globe pay did that for us in china and then you get a set of uh, you know the sort of point of sale terminals and lots of really nicely done perspex or point of sale bits of signage that explain and you know we should mention qr codes as well because a lot of it's done by qr code but uh, i mean wechat pay works in a very similar way to apple pay so visitors will come in they'll see the fact that we've got these terminals and we've got the point of sale information So it's a terminal that can switch between Alipay or WeChat Pay. So you can choose which payment system you want to use. And then you you scan your phone like you would now with Apple Pay. So, I mean, we didn't find it that complex to set up. We get a reconciliation and obviously our finance team work on that. But it's been really, really popular. I think partly it's, it's difficult to track, if I'm honest. So we don't know whether people are spending more in the shop than they would have done without that facility. But they're certainly delighted about it. So the the look of delight on Chinese visitors' faces when they realise they can pay 
with using their WeChat account is invaluable, actually. And and we have, you know, taken a substantial amount in the shops, in the cafes via that method, which we can obviously analyse and, and check. But I think it's working with the right partners. Obviously, we couldn't do it ourselves. And then the second phase of all of that is having admission tickets available via our website in China so people can pay for an admission ticket via WeChat Pay before they even get to the country. And we're just about nearly there with that. So that's been a little bit more complicated because okay. <laughs> because we use a third party booking system. So our tickets are done via, you know, a third party website. So it's it's then an extra person to integrate into all of that. But actually again having somebody Mandarin speaking in house who can help explain and talk kind of IT with the right people who are doing the Chinese payment link up has been really helpful. So I think it's just working through in a step-by-step process and not being overfaced by the fact that it's a bit different or difficult. We kind of just did it. I didn't think I realized we were being massively innovative at the time. I just was really aware that everything in China is paid for via WeChat Pay. I mean, everything. You're in a taxi, even you see, you know, market stall holders, people wanting a donation for a charity or even homeless people with a QR code sort of attached to them. You scan it. Everything is is WeChat Pay. So it just felt like a really good level of visitor service to be able to offer that here. And as I say, at the time, I don't think we realized we were being very, very forward thinking or, or innovative. It was it was grown purely out of a let's service the need of this particular group of visitors. I guess that's going to be easier to track as well, because you mentioned that it's difficult to track the payments in the kind of restaurant and ticket office at the attraction. But I guess you are going to be able to track that quite well in terms of how many bookings are being prepaid for on the website. Yeah, and I think it's just about making things easy all the time. So we have WeChat Pay and Alipay on our admissions desk. So if a Chinese visitor walks up and wants to buy a ticket today to come in, they can do that via WeChat Pay. But it's it's also about the kind of minibus drivers or people who are organizing trips for smaller groups. And that's, that's one thing I should say, actually, although we started off very much in the groups market, we've seen that level off a bit and a huge increase in what we call FITs, so fully independent travelers coming in smaller groups. And a lot of Chinese visitors coming back to the UK for the second or third time who don't want to do the kind of Cambridge to Edinburgh all in one day, but they want to spend longer in each place. So we, we're getting many, many more smaller groups now who are coming either self-drive or in a private minibus van type thing. And it's, it's that network of drivers who help organize admission tickets that it would be massively beneficial for those people to be able to book in advance online using WeChat Pay. On that note, given the fact that China doesn't use Google, how do Chinese tourists find you and find your website? So again, that's one of the things that working with our partner, we make sure that the sort of programmatic and digital advertising on the biggest Chinese websites is all set up. So it works in a similar way, I guess, to Google and Google's sort of SEO. But actually WeChat is almost like, you know, WeChat has mini programs, which is almost like a mini website that sits within it. So we get a lot of bookings of groups and FIT, smaller visits directly through WeChat. So I'm on it as a you know, personal account, as is the group sales manager and our Mandarin speaking assistant, as well as the official Castle Howard account. So whenever we go to trade fairs with partners, so with Visit Britain and Itoa, sort of the China European marketplace, where you sit and meet lots of travel buyers, I sit there and have my WeChat account open, which is a QR code. They scan that 
we're connected and then they can ask me questions, book in, send me messages, and then they will push that out to their clients in China. So I think, you know, it, it works in a similar way to here, but obviously just with a different set of websites, different set of social media, but the principle is the same. And, you know, we've worked on a few advertising campaigns, digital advertising campaigns to hit things like Golden Week. So the two big Chinese holidays every year where lots of people want to come abroad because they're on holiday. So having all those Chinese holidays plotted in throughout the year is quite important as well, because if they don't match up with when we see our peak times of visitors on UK school holidays. When are those dates? I mean, Chinese New Year is really big. And then October, that's been our, our biggest one. I can't remember what the exact dates are. But that must be, a, that must be a nice time of year to receive more people through the door. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the other, I mean, there's, you can't sort of target China. It's not one audience. It's, it's obviously massive. And we have two universities in the city of York and also lots more in the north of England who have large numbers of Chinese students. So we see peaks as well around graduation time. We encourage people to bring their families for a special visit and work really closely with York as a whole cross sector group. We have a sort of York China Forum, which includes the universities and some business colleagues to make sure when they're attracting people to come and study in the city or work in the city, the things to do and things to enjoy at Castle Howard's kind of top of their list. And, you know, one of the top reasons for Chinese visitors to come to the UK is all around landscape and open space and blue sky and greenery. And there's nowhere more stunning than this. We're in the area of outstanding natural beauty and national parks up here at Castle Howard. And it's just stunning. And, you know, Chinese visitors absolutely love that. So it's making sure, you know, we hit all those different peaks of not only the Chinese holidays, but when, you know, the universities are doing their freshers weeks and when they might have family visiting. And it's a complex ecology, but that is the same with any different audience type, I guess. Abby, what has happened since then? So have you gone on to forge kind of more closer links with China because of this? The Jay Chow wedding put Castle Howard on the map. I've been amazed when I've been to China that you talk about Castle Howard and people know what it is and where it is. I thought the you know the biggest battle would be explaining where we are and even where York is. And some of the events that you go to where you're talking to travel operators, you're there with the person representing Paris or, you know, it's not even just competing with other regions of the UK. But actually the amount of people who know what Castle Howard is I'm astounded by every time I kind of go and do that. You know, we do sort of the, call them sales missions, but I think having the partners like Visit Britain, like UK Inbound, like those trade associations who talk to overseas tourists. And then our, I mentioned the network's a bit closer to us so visit York and welcome to Yorkshire and our colleagues in York across a a China forum I think explaining what Castle Howard is is not the hard part because people see the photo see our advertising kind of get what it is and why they'd want to visit and then it's kind of trying to help people come up with that itinerary and be part of an itinerary so it's it's been really brilliant that we've now got direct flights from Beijing into Manchester so there's a whole sort of education piece around coming into the north of England and looking at partnering with other regions like the Lake District, like Liverpool, like Manchester. And we sometimes go as a collective kind of powerhouse of the North. Because again, I said, you know, lots of Chinese visitors coming back to the UK for the second, third time, and they might have spent some time in London already. And obviously, it's never boring going back to London. But we're trying to encourage people to 
create those itineraries around the north of England as well to get a slightly different experience of the UK. I suppose it's making them realise there's more to you know Britain and London. And especially because we know one of the drivers is all around the natural beauty and, and where we are you know in any season is just stunning. I'm sat looking out of my office across our great lake and the colour of the trees at the moment is just absolutely beautiful in, in autumn and a Christmas tree has just gone past my window because we're busy setting up for Christmas which is also a really special time of year and one that I think Chinese audiences are becoming more and more interested in those traditional traditions actually of what happens in a, a historic stately home and you know Downton Abbey is very popular over there so it's some of those real historical and cultural references that we tick every box on. We've just launched a new digital guide for the house. So for Chinese visitors coming around the house, and we've replaced that A4 sheet of paper of interpretation about all of Castle Howard's history, now with a really innovative digital guide and what's I think what's different about it is so Castle Howard hasn't had an audio guide and most visitor attractions art galleries you know will be familiar with the kind of hire a handset and headphones and give it back at the end of your visit type setup which works very well but we noticed that Chinese visitors were all coming with a mobile phone with a smartphone and actually having two things in their hands and trying to take photos and manage headphones and everything else was again not the perhaps not the best visitor experience so we've done a streamed version so you just scan a QR code at the start of the tour and you stream the guide in Mandarin onto your phone it automatically recognizes whether your phone's operating system is a Chinese one or you can you know switch between English and Chinese if you wish you know I've made that sound very simple as a process to get to that point you know we're a, a 300 year old building and the walls are very thick and getting wi-fi into every single room on the visitor route was a real challenge but we've managed to do that and that was a really big investment but it means that now we have this streamed guide so every room you go into you can choose the different objects you want to learn about or the general history of some quite a lot of social history about different processes everything from how the chimneys are cleaned right through to the art on the walls and the Chinese version is quite different to the English version of the digital guide so we know that Chinese visitors don't spend as long in the attraction so we've made it a shorter guide they like to have time in the shop at the end of the attraction so you know we've consciously made it a shorter version of the guide in Mandarin to English and also as I said before with the website we're telling different stories so we've worked with a Chinese writer to look at our interpretation and choose the specific objects or the stories or the bits of social history that are most interesting to a Chinese audience. So it's quite a different story you get if you listen to the Mandarin version. And it's digital, so it's not just audio. It, you know, There's videos on there opening up areas of the perhaps the temples that you can see out the window that you wouldn't be able to go in. So it's quite interactive. And I'm very excited because there's selfie options in there. So you can put a filter on, you can put yourself in a beautiful setting in our great, great hall with the frescoes and murals behind you, or you can put yourself in a gilded frame and then you can save that and share it directly to your social media account, which again is a great marketing tool. So it's it's quite a leapfrog, I think, of a traditional audio guide. And we hope that's going to, again, take us another step further in improving at what we offer for Chinese visitors. Did you develop the uh, digital guide in-house? 
Uh, yeah, so we've worked with Antenna Audio, who do digital guides for visitor attractions all over the world. But it's the first time they've done a streamed one. So again, it's been quite a long process when you're the first people being a guinea pig for something. But it's it's been you know really brilliant. And I, and we involved. I think we I talked about authentic storytelling at the beginning, and the fact that we're a family home does set us apart from a lot of other visitor attractions. And also, it's something Chinese audiences are very interested in that English hierarchy and understanding that you know the Howard family live here and what part they play in the running of the business so Mr Howard introduces the guide he says hello he learnt how to say hello and who he was and welcome to Castle Howard in Mandarin so we filmed him doing that I think I can say it because we rehearsed it so, so much together <laughs> and then he does a, a farewell and you know come back soon hope you've enjoyed your visit at the end of the guide and he narrates the whole guide in English which again it's, it's really personal because it tells some stories from his childhood about how he remembers the rooms changing and being developed but in Mandarin obviously it's then dubbed into a, a Mandarin voice but I think you know it's some of those things just give it a very a nice personal touch. Yeah definitely I think it, what was really good to hear is that that the guide had been developed really based on the user's needs as well rather than just saying look we need a digital guide we're just gonna kind of translate it it's it, it feels like so much more effort has been taken to to really make it exactly what they need. You mentioned the challenges. I think sometimes you feel like, oh, this has been this project's been going on for so long, but actually getting it right and overcoming some of those technical difficulties and it's things like you know the making sure it works on all the different possible operating systems and phones that people could walk in with because you're not just giving everybody the same device. It has to work for, for so many different things, um, and I'm sure there'll be a period of tweaking it and get, getting all that right. But it's something that we're really proud of. It sounds like it's bringing a lot of value. So it's we're about to open for Christmas um, as we speak. Uh, hence, I've had three more Christmas trees walk past the window since, I've been, <laughs> since I mentioned that. And and Christmas is a time of year where the amazing installations, they don't kind of disguise the visitor experience. So you could still use the guide and see what's in the rooms, but obviously they are decked out to the nines and look amazing. So we think probably from next season when we open, that's when our digital guide will really kick in and start to make a real difference to the visitor experience. There's enough to see at Christmas time with, without needing layers and layers of interpretation. Oh, definitely. One of the other things about the digital guide that was really smart is the user-generated content. Yes. So brilliant. Get them to make your content for you. And I guess that then you use that on the Chinese platform, so the WeChat and the Webio. Yeah, definitely. So we've got... Um, plans you know throughout next year to do some curation of that you know we'll we'll do some campaigns where we collate different people's selfies and get people to send in their content as well that we can then repost but we know I mean it's it's one of those things that's difficult to track but we know how much gets shared across Chinese social media from visitors here taking photos because it is so photogenic and we know it's that's one of the biggest cultural differences you know we should have, should have mentioned that earlier is, is the desire to take the perfect photo and that kind of one-upmanship and that sort of fairy tale setting and wanting to it's like that FOMO thing isn't it the sort of fear of missing out wanting to show off actually to your your friends and family back home that you've been to this amazing place so the more we can enable that 
you know, it happens anyway. It's just a case of I was trying to enable it. So they tag the right tags and post, you know, tag our social media and, and that kind of thing. And actually quite quite a lot of Chinese visitors and especially students in this country also have do have Instagram and kind of manage to find a way to get in and get that to work. I could, I could never do it when I've been into China, but <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a techie way of doing it. So across English social media as well, we do see we do see a lot of user generated content and that's great for us. You've mentioned about QR codes a couple of times. Yes. And I know that's because the Chinese, uh, they really like the QR codes. I think they use them a lot more than uh, the UK public. How else have you used them? The main way we've used them is, so we have a, a nicely designed and printed sort of Fomex board sitting on our admissions ticket office, which is one of the first things a visitor will see. It's in Mandarin and it explains that if you scan this QR code, it takes you to Castle Howard's WeChat and Weibo account. And, and that's like, a, you know, a way straight away as soon as somebody walks into the attraction that they can use a QR code to take them to our social media platforms, which you know, helps them engage in that sort of user-generated content and visitor journey straight away. So so we use them for that and and it is the way that people will get onto the digital guide as well. You just scan a QR code and it takes you straight to the guide. And I think Chinese visitors are very, very used to that. So it's, you know, we've, we haven't had anybody yet kind of look confused at us when we present them with a QR code. Perhaps more so our English visitors are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do they get confused by the QR codes? Yeah, I mean, we've done a familiarisation with all of our staff. So staff and the team here are really good at helping people, actually, if they don't know what one is, how to scan it and how to access it. And then there's a backup web address if, you know, if people want to revert to actually just typing it into their the browser. You're definitely right. Chinese visitors are much more familiar with using QR codes than English visitors are. You know, it's, it's, it's again, another way of welcoming them in the way they want to be welcomed. I think UK visitors need a bit of education and actually how to use them and what they're for. Yeah, they had a bit of a peak, I think, a couple of years ago. There was a lot of interest in them and then it kind of fizzled out a little bit. I think it's, you know, maybe just using them where it's where it's relevant and actually helps speed up a user journey to get to something. We've got one kind of final question, which is really what has been the overall results from all of this, you know, in terms of sales and customer experience. So of our international visitors to Castle Howard, China makes up nearly 60%. So it's incredible that, you know, it's it's higher than the USA, it's higher than, and that's, that is a lot higher than other attractions working in you know, similar environments. So it's become a really, really important market for us. And then that means we focus probably a little bit more time, effort, resource, money into developing stuff for that market because we see it growing. We know that visits to the UK from China are still on the up. It's a growing market to the UK. So there's plenty more people to go out you know we're hitting a very very small percentage of the population and it's still i can't remember the statistic it's a very very small percentage of chinese nationals who've even got a passport and that's growing every year and the sort of tier two and tier three cities that are now enabled and mobile to travel to europe and to britain is is still on the up so we think even though it's you know, we, we haven't sort of saturated the market. So it's still worth us really investing in how we engage with that market. So was it so 60%? So China now makes up over 60% of your overseas visitors. That's a, it's a bit of a rough statistic because, uh, because obviously some Chinese people book in via our group sales office and some just 
turn up on the day and we do the visitor attraction surveys through Alva, you know, to try and capture that stat. But we're just in the process at the moment here at Castle Howard of implementing a CRM system for the first time. So we'll be able to track exactly where people are, are coming from more accurately over the over the next few years but yeah it's, it does make up you know between sort of 50 and 60 percent over the last three years it's such a lovely story to hear and it's it's really lovely to know that you are kind of still going to be progressing with that as well but I think you know I've said it all along the one thing that really really shines through through all of this is how much it is about improving their experience not just about getting them through the door which is brilliant yeah, no, definitely. We want people to come and to know about us, but then it's it's how they're welcomed, how they experience the whole journey and, and leave telling their own story. So I think that's always at the core of what we do. And, you know, I keep coming back to authenticity and, you know, making sure we're giving that audience an experience that, you know, they'll share with other people and, you know, find really enriching. So we've got one final question for you. If you was to give one key tip to a visitor attraction that wanted to attract more Chinese visitors, what would it be? It's a difficult question, isn't it? Because I think, you know, at the risk of it sounding like a cop-out, I don't think it is one single thing. I think it's building a whole strategy. They're all slices of a really big pie. The digital stuff, the visitor experience stuff, the social media stuff, it's making sure. But I think probably the biggest piece of advice is for me it's around authenticity and not just doing stuff for the sake of doing it or feeling like you know oh other people are on WeChat Pay or Weibo or doying or you know have a Mandarin speaking member of staff do I think it's about assessing what stories you have to tell and how to communicate them best so we have a kind of phrase internally which is content first platform second or you know story first and think about what's going to engage most with the Chinese audience depending on where you are in the country what you've got to offer and then think about how to how to put that out might be that having a WeChat account is the the best way to communicate some of those stories it might be that you know working with a partner to have a Chinese website is the best way to do that so I think it's is that a bit of a cop out of an answer that it's not just one it's not just one thing but I think it's just looking at the core of what you've got and what you think is going to be attractive before you then start to think about how to communicate that to the audience definitely not a cop out definitely not a cop out uh, just going back to actually what you said earlier I'm just looking on a website and saying about one tenth of uh, Chinese visitors have um Passport. passport yeah I know it's growing like every year that you know it's it, it grows massively but it's still if you think about the size of China there's still a lot more people who are going to over the next 10 20 years be mobilized to, to visit yeah same here by next year it could be double yeah double that. yeah amazing it's definitely well the emerging kind of market I think that a lot of visitor attractions need to um, pay attention to I think yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think, you know, for us, it's still one of our markets. So, you know, we're doing the same. We've just talked about for the last, I don't know how long, you know, the same for thinking about an American market, European market. But of course, the domestic day visitors and people from other parts of this country and then going back to our very local audience and growing our membership and looking at the things we're doing for the people who are right on our doorstep so as a small passionate enthusiastic hard-working marketing team it's everything from the people five miles away to the people in China that we have to have a, a strategy and a plan for and making sure we're you know doing our very best across all platforms for all of those people which which keeps it really interesting and really <laughs> I was going to say it 
it's never boring. It's never boring. Uh, it's never a dull moment. And, no, there's never nothing to do, no, right? I mean, there's always something. Yeah, that's what makes it, you know, such a great place to be, actually. Thank you so much for joining us today, Abby. We yeah, no, thank you for having me. Really, really enjoyed having you on. And I think that, that, that what you've given us today will be really invaluable to our listeners. So thank you for sharing. No problem at all. It's lovely to chat to you. You can find links and notes from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast, or search Skip the Queue on iTunes and Spotify to subscribe. Please remember to leave a rating. It helps other people find us. This podcast was brought to you by Rubber Cheese, an award-winning digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for visitor attractions. Find out how we can create a better experience for you and your guests at rubbercheese.com.